A Word for Your Soul podcast is a weekly conversation highlighting pivotal topics that address being in relationship with God. This podcast is an authentic and transparent heart-to-heart that aims to speak to our mind, will, and emotions. Relationship with God is the vehicle in which we are able to truly experience Christ. And I'm your host, Pernisa, a.k.a. Pernisa. If you are just joining me, welcome. And if you are rejoining me, welcome back. I'm Pernisa, and this is A Word for Your Soul, episode 10. And today's episode is going to be different from all the other episodes. But before I get into that, let me give you the anchored scripture for today, which is 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, to be sober-minded is to be free from intoxicating influences. And more broadly, I love how clear and directquestions.org defines being sober-minded. And it reads, sober-minded means that we do not allow ourselves to be captivated by any type of influence that would lead us away from sound judgment. So this episode, as I was saying earlier, is different and it's different because it's a testimony episode. And the word of God say we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. But before I get into my personal testimony, I want to say a lot of times when I've thought of the word sober, I instantly would think of sobriety and hearing the stories of a recovering alcoholic or drug abuser. But reading Be Sober Minded, Be Watchful brought about a new thought process of what it means to be sober. Now, I've come into conversations with others, and even in my earlier years as a believer, I've entertained the idea that the Bible doesn't say, do not do specific things. Like, for example, it's not going to say, thou shalt not OD on social media or binge watch hours of our favorite show. But couldn't we say that excessively doing those things could then make those things just as much as an intoxicating influence on our minds? And one thing I found to be true by way of just living and watching other do other people do life, where the mind goes, the body follows. And one of my favorite leaders of godly wisdom, Miles Monroe says, whoever has your mind has your life. So whatever your vice of intoxicating influence, remember whatever has your mind, it has the ability to infiltrate or invade your life. And personally, there are many things that have and that are still an internal war competing for my mind. But today my testimony is about being set free from smoking marijuana And how that relates to being sober-minded. And listen, therefore now, there is no guilt, condemnation, or shame for those in Christ. Meaning, if you are a believer who smokes, this is not to shame you. I'm convinced that we are all at different points in our journey of relationship with Christ. What convicts me may not yet convict you or may never convict you. But this is my story, and I'm sticking to it.
So let's first talk about how it started. And how it started is very interesting because a lot of my peers were already smoking by the time I was in middle school. And by high school, it was pretty much the norm. Um, They weren't out in the open with it, but behind closed doors and secret, it was a thing. And honestly, for me at that moment in life, from middle school to high school, I just was never interested. I didn't have an appetite to try, didn't think much of it. And in fact, I really hated the smell. And I had put in my mind at that time that I didn't need no substance like alcohol or drugs to have a good time. I felt like I was a good time, like with no substances. And granted, people have different reasons for smoking or choosing not to. I definitely can't also say that going to church as it was a regular thing to do on Sunday when I was younger. I can't say that that was the reason behind that choice either, because going to church didn't do that for me. So as the years went by, fast forwarding to college, I went to college in New York and New York just had me open to trying new things. It was a new environment, new people, my first time kind of on my own. And our dorms weren't like regular dorms. They were like apartments. So in my mind, you know, I'm grown and I'm just free to do me, right? And so subconsciously, I began to come out of agreement with the idea of being uninterested to now I'm intrigued about whatever. So, and keep in mind, I said, where the mind goes, the body, the actions follow. Because now at that point of being just intrigued and open to whatever, if other people were smoking and I was around, I was now open to maybe hitting the blunt at least once. And let's be real. For those that smoke or have smoked, if you got 10 people to one blunt, you're not getting high. So that was the experience I got the few times I did smoke in college. And by the third time trying it, I was like, this is pointless. It's not doing anything for me. And that was kind of the end of that. Fast forward about six years later, the opportunity presented itself again when the thought to smoke a celebratory blunt after finally getting to the point in life where I moved into my own apartment by myself, that thought randomly entered my mind. And honestly, I'm seeing a pattern here that I never saw until now that at every pivotal life-changing new trajectory transition, the opportunity to smoke was presented to me. And it was presented in such a way that like it, it it was just randomly introduced to my mind, like a thought that came from nowhere. But this time that the thought came at that point in life, I had been through like some serious adulting. At that point, I had lots of heartache, disappointments from career endeavors that didn't pan out the way I thought they would, to surviving a excitingly confusing, disorderly, dysfunctional eight-year relationship that ended with an end to an engagement. 
as well as rocky relationships with core family members and just so much more was endured at that point. And I say all that to say that all of that kind of stuff, all of that trauma was bubbling on the surface and it was buried deep within. And at that moment in life, with all that lying under the surface, I decided to indulge in smoking. And it started here and there. Then all of a sudden I found myself in more social settings where there was smoking and I would indulge. Then I found myself being in intimate relationships with people that smoke. And and this is not to put my family out there. It's really no secret that a great majority of my family members, young to old, smoke. So then now I began, or not now, but then I began indulging in all of these social circles. And at one point, I I remember I wouldn't even buy weed because to me, I wasn't smoking as often enough that I needed to buy weed. I figured I would just smoke occasionally when I was, you know, amongst these social groups. But as life progressed, the pressures of life got more intense, more trial, more tribulation, more trauma on top of what was already playing in the background from previous years. And before you know it, I was buying weed, wanting to smoke more often. Occasionally, I had begun smoking by myself and it just began to overtake me. You think you got something like that under control, but the deception of the scheme was just so wickedly clever because it was like the enemy waited until the appetite grew to a sort of coping mechanism. Like all of a sudden, I would want to smoke to cope with stress, to knock the edge off, to relax. And I just remember sometimes getting so high to the point of panicking inside silently because I didn't want anyone to know I was freaking out. I remember being irritated at little things and just waiting for the moment to like hit a blunt so I wouldn't be irritable. And I honestly didn't realize how much of a problem it had become until I wanted to stop. And literally in my own strength, I could not. This thing had my mind and it began invading my life. And it was then the enemy began to steal my peace. Once the high came down, all the things bubbling under the surface began to intensify And I started being more anxious about my life, about my future. And looking back now, I feel like because I wasn't sober minded, my mind was a lot more susceptible to receiving lies sent from the enemy to kill and destroy whatever hope I had concerning all in just about any area of my life. And this went on for a good three to four years. And it wasn't until one day. I got into a really traumatic argument with my current husband in the car with our daughter. That next day, immediately after, I remember crying out to God like, I'm not good. Like, it wasn't just the smoking. It was a cry of, I can't continue to do life this way. 
And I said, I need you, Lord. Like, I need you to change me from within. And Psalms 34, 17 says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. And when I tell y'all, like, he heard me because after that moment, our relationship changed drastically. I began seeking him like never before. The smoking became less and less. And then what also accelerated being free was confessing what I was going through with a trusted elder of my church. And I remember one day we were praying together before I had got to the breaking point of not wanting to smoke anymore. And I remember she asked, do I smoke? And I said, yes. And she was like, do you desire to let it go? And at that time, y'all, like I wasn't. So I was honest and I told her no. So she prayed that I would have the desire to let it go. And as I continued seeking our father, I began getting more and more convicted. And then the desire to let it go began to overwhelm me. And let me say this. All this was going on before and after I rededicated my life to Christ as an adult and while still going to church regularly. So conversion to salvation didn't instantly transform me. Sanctification, which is the action or process of being freed from sin or the action of causing something to be or seem morally right or acceptable, that is not a spooky, churchy, religious thing, but it is a very real process. And that's the process that I was undergoing. And that's the process that we undergo as we continue to seek our father. And the more we say yes to Jesus, when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior by faith, we were deemed righteous. But if we want to truly experience the life our father has purposed for us, which personally I think includes a life that is maturing, growing, and fanning into the gifts of faith, there is no way around sanctification. We have to go through the process of being made holy. And it was and is by the power of the Holy Spirit's conviction, coupled with my faith, that began convicting me that smoking was not in alignment with being sober-minded. And in fact, it had become an idol. It became an idol because it took the areas of heartache, the areas of worry, concern, anxiousness, and many more, all of those areas of my life that God wanted me to come to him in. But instead, I went to smoking, thinking it would relieve whatever I was going through. And sometimes it did for a moment, but then like most dry places and things, it leaves you thirsty and wanting more because it's never a lasting feeling thing. It's always temporary. But once I cried out and I really left that prayer to change me from within at the feet of the Lord, it was a process of going a few days without it, then going back then going weeks, then going back, going even a year or two and going back. And when you leave a thing and go back, it is harder. 
But I think what saved me was the fact that every time I would fall, there was a godly sorrow, which is a sadness caused by sin. And I would repent and not continuously smoke and repent, but I was fighting Okay, and sometimes I would lose a fight, but ultimately, by way of the Holy Spirit, I won that battle. The days, weeks, and yes, the years grew longer without smoking to the point I just didn't crave it anymore. I had prayed that he would take the taste from me, and as I kept fighting, the appetite lessened. And when I'm triggered, there's a small, still voice in me bringing me into remembrance of what it was like being bound to smoking, of how far I've come in relationship with Christ, of how important keeping my witness is, and of his powers that is able and has been keeping me from falling away. And I just want to encourage you to not conform, conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Cry out to your father and he will hear you. Be honest with where you are and ask him to give you the desire to be set free. If you're around leaders or elders, you can profess your sin to one another. And I encourage you to walk with a seasoned believer in prayer and fasting. And look, you got to just continue to fight. If you fall, get back up and try again. And whatever you do, once he free you, if you want to be freed, don't go back. Okay? Don't go back. Ask him to keep you in remembrance of what it was like to be bound. Speak it, believe it, receive it. Jude 1.24 says that he is able to keep you from falling and he will present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. So I hope this helps you. And that's pretty much all that I have for today. Peace.